Good morning. Let's just pray before we begin. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what it means for thousands upon thousands of people. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring us closer to you this morning individually and collectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is a really special day for lots of people, but it's really um, special and quite emotional for me as Nikki said, some of you will know me through the story um, that's been around, and, and I'm aware that some of you won't, and Nikki's asked me if I'd just share a few things, and I'm going to do it just really briefly, I don't want to bore you. Um, born in, in Manchester in the north, in Salford, to dysfunctional, dysfunctional alcoholic parents, both from Liverpool, both atheists, I grew up in that environment, which was um, challenging to say the least. We moved a lot, and at 15 I got in trouble with my father. He threw me out. I was homeless for a while on the streets, hence the night shelters and the drop-ins. I got in trouble. I got involved with a gang. I was um, led into, easily I suppose, led into crime. I wasn't very good at it. Led to a relationship with the police. Then eventually I went to prison. When I came out of there, I wanted to go home, but my parents had divorced and separated and we didn't have a family home really, so I kept myself out of trouble. Um, Through a lot of persuasion and a lot of interviews, I managed to join the army. Um, And in 1976, I was accepted into the army, and I spent the next 17 years uh, in the military, various regiments, various different battalions, and various different operations. During that time, my my military life was good, but my personal life um, was, was terrible. No moral compass whatsoever. Two marriages, two divorces. I had a son to my first life, wife. I abandoned him and her. Married again, another divorce, drink, debt. Just the whole thing was a nightmare. Um, I left the army. Uh, I got involved in health and fitness. My last four years in the army, army physical training corps. I uh, became a PT instructor, personal trainer, ran some health clubs. Great. But still lost. And I walked through those doors a few years ago now, and I did an alpha course and, um, and God hit me right between the eyes. And it was a bit of a shock, probably for both of us. Because <laughs> I didn't really think he was looking for someone like me with my background. I'd be too embarrassed to, to share that with you. Gave my life to Christ on, uh, on an Alpha weekend. And um, the rest is history, really. Praise God for that. I'm married. Married now, got my son back, Clinton, who I left, amazing man, we're very close, I've got a daughter who's 19, ordained in the Church of England, how that happened, I have no idea, but I kind of snuck in there, um, I'm doing the stuff that Nikki, trying to do the stuff that Nikki mentioned. So today is a really sort of special day uh, for lots of people, and today all over the world, millions of men, women and children will, will gather around cenotaphs for a service of remembrance in, in, uh, in cathedrals, in churches, in, in villages, just all over the place. It's a service that's held in the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth as a day to commemorate the contributions of British and Commonwealth military and civilian service personnel in two world wars and many later conflicts. Today we remember the fallen, that's what we're doing, both past and present. The poppies that we wear are made by disabled ex-servicemen who are part of the British Legion. They're a reminder, that's why they're red, I'm sure you know, of the, the blood that was lost in the First World War and the red flowers that were found on Flounders Field in France, where so many died in that great war. In fact, over 17 million people 
Soldiers and civilians died in that First World War. And it was meant to be the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it wasn't. The Second World War started just 21 years later in 1939. And again, millions upon millions of men, women and children lost their lives in the Second World War. And since the end of that war in 1945, there's only been one year that a British service personnel was not killed on military operations around the world. And that year was 1969. There's a map coming up that shows all the different countries and all the personnel that were lost, military and civilian, in conflict. And since 1945, the British Army has been deployed in Northern Ireland, the Falklands, the Balkans, um, Bosnia, Croatia, Macedonia, Albania, Kosovo, Sierra Leone, Cyprus, East Timor, Iraq and Afghanistan, and goodness me, many more as you can see from the map. But remembering the past that we're doing today is not just recalling and reflecting on past events which I've just mentioned. It's also not just about recounting the facts and figures, tragic though they are in millions upon millions. It has to be more than that, what we're doing today. It's about carrying these events forward, learning lessons into our present and also into our future, allowing them to soak into us, to to help us change so maybe we can avoid some conflicts, not make the same mistakes, learn from the lessons that have gone before us, and hopefully minimize war. It's about trying to find the blessings through the troubles and hope where there seems no hope at all except despair. Jesus' words in Luke, known as the Sermon on the Plain, and Matthew's Sermon on the Mount are very similar if you look at them. Both start with a series of beatitudes, of blessings, as was read out. There are differences between the versions of Matthew and Luke, but one thing is very clear. As William Barclay states, they are a series of bombshells that land upon us. It may be that we've read them so often that we forget how revolutionary they are when they were spoken. Jesus is not speaking about peaceful things here. He's exclaiming unrest for those who are indulging their lives without a thought for the lost, the broken, the sick, the lonely, the marginalized, the poor. Especially when he says this in verse 25, woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Strong words, sobering thoughts. This is hard hitting. It's not fluffy stuff. But it stirs up the question it did for me when I read through it. Is that me you're talking about, Lord? Or is it somebody else? After all, service of any kind is costly. Especially war. When we went to war to help Poland in 1939. It was because a tyrant wanted to impose his politics and his theology on a nation that was opposed to it. They didn't want it. This country rose up and said, do you know what? Enough is enough. And many young men and old gave up their lives in that struggle to conquer that despot and resume peace and regain freedom for that country. These are never easy choices. They weren't easy then, and the choices that we have to make are not easy now. But right has to win 
through. As Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. It's not an option. Isn't that what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes? Isn't he saying, will you take the easy way which yields immediate pleasure and profit? Or will you take the hard way which yields toll, toil and suffering? Will you seize on the, the pleasure and the profit of the moment? Or are you willing to look ahead and sacrifice them for a greater good? Will you concentrate on the world's rewards or will you concentrate on Christ? Unfortunately, it seems that you can't have both. Sacrifice is the theme in this passage of Luke. And Remembrance Day emphasizes the very heart of that truth, what was read out, which is both countercultural and counterintuitive. Or is it really? There was a study done by the Common Cause Foundation. It revealed that a large majority of the 1,000 people that they surveyed, over 74%, identified more strongly with unselfish values than with selfish values. This meant that they are more interested in hopefulness, honesty, forgiveness, and justice than in money, or fame, or status, or power. I found that really encouraging. And in a world where people are running for their lives in, in fear of terrorism, it seems that people often now run towards danger and help people than run away from it. We've seen it on the news. And when other countries need help to free themselves from oppression or whatever it might be, it seems that other countries are prepared to step in the gap and sacrifice and help them. So generally it appears that is what we choose to do when push comes to shove. Jesus is challenging his disciples in this passage to do the same for the poor and the marginalized, those who are suffering. So why is it important to have Remembrance Sunday? Three thoughts to ponder. And to help you, help you they spell out the word, word war. W, willingness. A, attitude. R, recognition. The first point, willingness. Jesus wants us to have the willingness to serve and even to serve when there's no reward coming, as many of you do with the social transformation stuff. You don't get rewards for that. Not here. It's hard work. You just crack on. Jesus wants us to treat others as we would want to be treated. War is never glamorous. It's not glorious. It's gruesome. And it often leaves a huge imprint on our lives. And it traumatizes people who often don't receive any recognition whatsoever. There's a slide coming up of a, a lady nicknamed Diddy. Uh, her name was Elaine. She was known as Diddy in, and died in 2010. She was born in 1921. Diddy at 21 became a British spy. Um, she was recruited by the Special Operations Branch of the Intelligence Service. And at first Diddy worked as a, a signals operator, receiving messages from agents in the field, mostly in France. Then on March 2nd, 1944, Diddy was parachuted at age 24 into occupied France using a code name called Rose. She was given the mission to help set up a network in Paris which was called Wizard. Diddy's role was to maintain at any cost a wireless link to London. And in those five months while she was in occupied France, she transmitted over 105 messages. 
In July 1944, she was found and arrested. Did he survive the torture chamber of the Gestapo? And in August that year, she was sent to the woman's concentration camp at Ravensbrück. She was one of only a handful of British agents to survive. But her experiences marked and damaged her profoundly. She was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. We'd call that PTSD now. And after the war, she lived in care, mostly by being looked after by her sister. She was awarded an MBE and also honoured in France. But Diddy didn't die a heroine. Most of her life, she was on her own and she was poor. And her bravery wasn't known until care workers went into her home to help her when she collapsed and found pictures and found letters and found her medals and her awards. Today, she deserves our respect. 21-year-old Diddy. She suffered for her bravery, but because of that 21-year-old and her willingness, thousands upon thousands of soldiers' lives were saved. In 1976, a picture will come up. I was on my first tour of Northern Ireland. Don't laugh, I know. I was 21. I just finished training. I got best recruit, same age as Diddy, I suppose. And then I was posted straight out to Northern Ireland, absolutely terrified. I was stationed in the centre of Belfast, and one of our regiment, uh, a 19-year-old young man, couldn't handle the stress. And one morning, he got himself a 9 mil pistol went down to the showers and committed suicide. He killed himself. And me and a friend were detailed to clean up the mess. That was my first experience of war. It's not glamorous. It's gruesome. That young soldier was caught up in it, couldn't handle it, and became a casualty of it. We need to be willing to care for those who have been willing to face war, even when they are not heroes. We have to have empathy for others who have been through situations we hopefully will never have to go through, possibly because of them. Second point, A, for attitude. At age 32, after seven years' service in the army and one tour of Afghanistan behind him, a British soldier called Pete uh, Private Derek Delaney was driving through Helmand province in Afghanistan when he's Land Rover hit a roadside bomb. The explosion was so powerful that it hurled him over 30 yards away from the vehicle and blew his left leg clean off just below the knee. It damaged his right leg so badly that it had to be amputated on the spot as well. As he lay dazed on that roadside, this young private soldier, a Fijian Christian boy, said this, Lord, whatever happens, I thank you for my life. But if you have a role for me in the future to be an inspiration for others, then let me live. He was cativacked back to Camp Bastion. He was declared dead. He was put into a body bag. And then a young doctor just decided to check, opened, unzipped, checked. It was a very weak pulse. And in 2012, Derek entered the Olympic Stadium to represent Britain in the discus at the paramedics. There's a picture of him here. Derek said in an interview... I am no Superman. There have been some very low points, but I am determined to inspire others. Derek has gone on to set up a school to help disadvantaged children and kids get into sport and give them hope. Unlike Derek, we are not necessarily necessarily in a war zone at the moment, but like Derek, we can make sure our lives count for something. 
tolerance, grace and faith in others can change a person, change a nation, change a country, maybe, maybe change the world. It says in Romans 15 verse 5, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. That's what Derek picked up and went on to do some amazing things. Thirdly and finally, recognition. We recognize what they did for us today. That's what it's about. Prince Harry helped set up the Invictus Games, which I'm sure you've seen. The games were set up to recognize those soldiers who had suffered, like Derek, losing limbs in battle. And a study found that the long-term benefits of the Invictus Games allowed competitors to believe in themselves again because of the public recognition that the competitors received in the games. You gave them hope. The scripture in Luke warns us, but also encourages to share with those who have suffered. It helps us to cope with our own grief and, and our own sense of loss when it comes. And the scriptures say it will surely come at some point in our lives. Maybe not through the physicality of war, but in some other way. A war of illness or finance or, or family or divorce or unemployment or death of a, a close friend or a relative. Living and dying purposefully. Isn't that what's the heart of that scripture and what's at the heart of today? We need to recognize others' pain and sacrifice and to be proud to champion them. doesn't mean that we wouldn't prefer peace and peaceful solutions. I pray every day that there's not a social transformation department. I pray every day that we can be knocked out of work so it doesn't matter. War is never a great outcome. And unfortunately, we live in a world where people are cruel to each other. And Jesus saw this centuries ago. And he challenges us to recognize our brothers and sisters. And as he challenged the disciples, he challenges us today to engage in those who are suffering. An anagram of war can remind us to be willing to help others. Have an attitude of Christ. And recognize that we have a part to play in honoring those men and women who have gone before us and sacrificed in so many ways. Human suffering is part of life. And we see that so clearly in the death of Jesus on the cross. But equally, we also see the resurrection, which brings a wonderful hope. A hope that does not disappoint. A hope that can change everything. That's what today is about. Charlie Mackesy, who some of you know, who's a friend and an amazing artist, did some drawings um, for Remembrance Sunday. He did this one saying that war affects everybody, the soldier at the front, all the way through. Husbands, wives, daughters, uncles, children, kids, all the way through. It affects everyone. In those 17 years I served in the army, especially in the two conflicts I was involved in, Northern Ireland and the Falklands, I've experienced some pretty awful things. And out of the army, I've also experienced loss in different ways. But since I became a Christian here, on an Alpha course in 94, I've come to understand that peace is not about an absence of war. It's not about an absence of pain or living a crisis-free life, even though that we would like to. It's much more than that. Jesus said many things about peace, but not once did he associate it with the world as a whole, but rather with an individual inner spiritual peace that brings about change in us. 
Jesus is a peace that this world cannot give, but one that we must tell people about at every single opportunity we have. I want to end with this other slide of Charlie's. So we remember to wear our poppy and we remember to wear it for the fallen because of the sacrifice they gave. That means we can walk in peace and in freedom and see flowers grow again. Be willing to serve those who are less fortunate than ourselves in order to keep that attitude of Christ alive in our hearts. As we look at this drawing, may we pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for those who have gone before us, who have given their lives that we might be free. I pray, Lord, that you would help us not only remember those who have gone past in two world wars and various other conflicts, but in those that are suffering today. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us reach out in any way that we can, that we would hear your voice, reach out and help others. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favourite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at BibleInOneYear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.